a high school friend of mine posted something like, call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. And I went, what? Running? Dispense Radio, episode 741, starts in three, two, Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. guys real quick before we dive in today just want to remind you that at the end of each month actually at the beginning of each new month i go ahead and pick a winner pick somebody to work with for free you can get a free 16 week training program good for the race of your choice you don't have to cash it in right away if you if you don't have any races on the calendar then hold it and whenever you decide to sign up for a race whatever the distance marathon half 5k 10k i don't care ultra whatever lists or whatever races are on your list for the future if you'd like some help, you'd like somebody to put your training together for you instead of you trying to do it yourself or, heaven forbid, you go into the well of the one-size-fits-all and trying to use some POS training plan that's not created for anybody, let alone created for you, why not let me do it for you for free? Like I said, a new winner picked each and every month. All you have to do to get entered, if you haven't done so already, is head over to either the homepage at disruns.com and click the, the click here to enter button or head over to disruns.com slash giveaway. And uh, again, you just you enter you enter it right there. Super quick. Takes about two seconds. Enter your name, enter your email address. Yes, that puts you on my email list. But hopefully, you'll find that my emails read more like blog posts than they do like newslettery, spammy type of email things. Um, try to provide a little something useful. Make it actually worth your while to read what I read what I write. Um, but uh, you'll see all those things as, as you get going. But if you want to get entered... Now is the best time to do so. The odds have never been better than they are today. So check it out, disruns.com slash giveaway. And uh, now, without any further ado, let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey, guys. Uh, today, I'm going a few easy miles with a woman that uh, has found running to be an incredibly powerful form of medicine, which is something that I think maybe a few of us can probably also relate to. Uh, she also has recently published her first book, which is a memoir titled, titled uh, Depression Hates a Moving Target. And uh, it really chronicles her journey that began almost a decade ago with kind of being on the couch, or at least her running journey, um, of being on the couch, kind of unhappy, not real healthy. Uh, and now, you know, fast forward now, I guess about nine, nine and a half years later, um, you know, she's gone from being... A, Basically, maybe able to run 30 seconds to, you know, having finished three marathons, 20, 25, 26 half marathons, and who knows how many other shorter distance races that uh, have come up along the way as well. So it's a pleasure today to be able to, uh, to go, easy, go a few easy miles and enjoy a, a pleasant conversation with Ms. Nita Sweeney. Sweeney. It's easy for me to say. Goodness gracious. Anyway, uh, we just spent a whole five minutes before this talking about how to say your last name, and it's real simple. But anyway, Ms. Nita Sweeney. So thanks for joining us today, Nita, and welcome to the show. Thanks so much. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, the, the pleasure is certainly mine. And guys, if you uh, enjoyed today's conversation and want to get uh, get in touch with Nita, check out her book, which obviously we'll have linked that, that linked up in the show notes as well. Uh, but NitaSweeney.com is the, is the website, and Sweeney is S-W-E-E-N-E-Y. Um, and it's Nita, not Anita or anything like that. N-I-T-A, Sweeney.com. Uh, on Facebook, the, the her author page there is at Nita Sweeney Author. And on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, pretty much all the other places, it's just at Nita Sweeney. Nita. 
I said it wrong again, at Nita Sweeney um, on, on all things social. So real easy to find. Not, it was apparently not easy for me to say. I guess I haven't had enough coffee yet this morning, but uh, we'll, we'll get through that. We'll get through it as we always do. Links will be found in the show notes today. Dizruns.com slash 741 is the, link, is the link that will take you back to the show notes for today's episode. So now that hopefully I've got all of my tongue foibles out of the way, Nita, we can, we can dive into the good stuff. And uh, the way we start each episode of the show is with the same simple or simple question that uh, usually leads to all kinds of different options of where we can go with the rest of the conversation. But uh, I just want to simply ask, as we always do with, with every episode, what is your favorite distance to race and why? Well, that's not an easy question for me. Um, my first thought when you, um, when you ask that is that I heard um, a woman named Sabrina Little, which is probably a very common name for you folks, ultra marathoner answer that question and she very casually said oh 100 miles <laughs> and I thought holy crap I mean I just you know I mean I've done three marathons but it's pretty much taken a lot and so my ego wanted to say oh I'd really like to try 100 mile or sometime or oh 26.2 that's my favorite distance um, but to be honest it's probably the half marathon and the reason for that is it's enough training to keep me um you know, mentally focused and to help with the mental health issues I have, um, depression and uh, bipolar disorder and a lot of anxiety, but not enough to kill me, to feel like it's killing me. You know, I'm a lot, I'm, I'm uh, 57 as of this recording and, um, um, and I'm not your typical runner. I haven't been running, you know, I've been running about a decade, but not my whole life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so yeah, the half marathon is probably my favorite distance. Like I said, um, the training is still intense, but not um, quite as much. And also, my husband and I like to travel. And so we'll go to, uh, he really enjoys the presidential libraries mm. the, um, um, around the country. And so I think we've been to 10 of them. And, um, and so it's really nice to be able to walk the next day, right. you know, when I've had to run a half and then um, be able to walk for many hours uh, to take a nice casual stroll through the museums or you know other places we went to the world war ii museum things like that he really enjoys and i try to pair up something he really enjoys with the race which i really enjoy well and that's and that's a, a great way to uh you know have a have a trip have a vacation um with a partner spouse that uh that isn't a runner you don't have to go run together but you like, like you said you can go do what you like and then the next day do what, what he enjoys and yeah being able to still walk around uh after after a race um, is definitely an asset if you're going to be doing something else besides just going to the race and, and that's it. Yeah, and I know you know there's plenty of people that run hard enough and fast enough that a half marathon, you know, maybe they can't do the stairs the next day. But <laughs> right. uh, especially when we travel, I try not to kill myself. Um, I I'm I'm a bit intense, and so I have a thing. I have lots of things, but when I put on that race bib, it's really hard to think about taking it easy. I you know, tend to, um, try to do my best and, uh, run hard. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh, I was joking with someone last night, uh, here in, um, uh, Ohio, we do what we did. It's global running. And yesterday was global running day. We're recording this, mm -hmm. a couple, you know, um, um, the day after global running day, and we were at a 5k and I was standing at the start line. And, uh, so my friends were joking about, you know, are we going to run this really hard? Are we going to take it easy? And it was really hot and humid. And, um, uh, we hadn't really acclimated to that. And, and I said, oh, I'm thinking of Steve Prefontaine's quote, which I will completely butcher. But um, but what I remember is, is uh, 
you know, um, um, the best pace is a suicide pace, and today is a good day to die. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, I mean, at my age, and if you look at me, I'm not your typical runner. I'm not shaped like a typical runner, um, and uh, I don't have the gait of a, you know, a really fast runner. And to, but for me, that's still I put on that race bib, and suddenly I am Steve Prefontaine, mm -hmm. prepared to die for the sport, which is, you know, a little extreme, but that's me. Right, right. Well, I think I think there's there's a few people. I, I'm I'm borderline that, and I I know some people that I've I've either worked with as a coach or have interacted with or interviewed or whatever. Where it's the same type of thing, where you can be just as relaxed and chill and easygoing and and friendly as can be. But boy, you you put a, a race bib on and uh, you know shoot off a, a starter pistol pistol or an air horn or whatever it is that gets the race going, and it's like who is this person? Like just I mean maybe not throwing elbows, but just like like no. like you yeah. get into a race and you almost can't not not race it like it's just it's something about uh i don't know competitiveness or or just kind of the way the way some people are where it's just man when it's when it's race time it's it's race time and you know sorry but that's just the way it's going to be i talked to um because i've run quite a few races now and i'm in a very large training group um marathoner and training which is run through the fleet feet and front runner stores here in central ohio um i tend to talk to the new people a lot and um I always, always advise them to have what I call the talk, and I'm holding up quote marks with my <laughs> right. fingers, the talk before the race, because we will spend hours and hours together out on the trail, and, and those Saturday runs are done at a slower pace mm -hmm. than, you know, you're not at race pace, you're trying to, you know, 30 seconds, a minute slower than, what, or even a minute and a half right. uh, than what you hope to, to race at, and um so, you know, there's a lot of conversation and there might be breakfast after. And um, and so I always tell them, um, I will be at the start line with you and, uh, you know, hopefully I'll see you at the finish line one way or the other, either you first or me first. Mm -hmm. um, but at some point during the race, if I fall back or I run ahead, um, don't take it personally. It's just I have to run my own race. And so I suggest that they have that talk with their friends because it's, especially when you're back of the Packers, mm -hmm. um, it's not, I mean, people are intense and they are still competitive even in the back of the pack. But um, um, I don't know, it's just uh, because it's a very friendly group and um, we do a lot of social things together also, I just think it's important to maintain the friendships mm -hmm. by having the talk before the race. Yeah, that's, I mean that's that's a great uh, a great reminder to to all of us who have training partners and and people that we run with on a regular basis. Because yeah, I mean, you know, if, easy for me to say because I'm in total agreement with you. But um, you know, if if you've got your own individual running goals that on race day, like that's the day to test kind of where you are fitness wise and and you know test it on 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 today. Um, and that's that's not the ideal time to be having that that discussion of yeah i'm feeling really good like can i go ahead or like no just go ahead you'll be fine like no you need to have that conversation beforehand so that yeah we might start out together but at some point we, we're probably going to get separated and and hope at least be on the same page if everybody's okay with that or not before the race starts yeah so and i think um i learned that you know i'm i'm uh, like i said in the book i i talk a lot about my anxiety and about um depression and and other issues and so one of the things I've learned over the years um, through therapy and other, you know, kinds of, I guess, um, just ways that I manage my mental health symptoms is that if I'm upfront with people, 
it's very helpful. And so I explain, I'm a very anxious person. And during the race, I will need to do whatever I can to manage the anxiety. And sometimes that's Velcroing myself to you, mm-hmm. um, you know, no matter what your pace, I'm going to try to stay with you um, no matter what. And other times I just need to be alone. And I don't know that until I'm in that moment. Right. So uh, for me, it's I mean, it's partly about the uh, relationships, but it's kind of a self-preservation tactic also because of the issues I have. And I think the more people talk about all of these things, mm-hmm. the better we are, which is part of why I wrote the book, actually, is uh, um, to um kind of bring everything out in the open. Like I was I was saying um, to someone earlier that yesterday on Twitter, I was on a mental health chat. There's a hashtag MH chat on uh, um, Wednesday afternoons. And someone said, they were talking about breaking the stigma and about being an open book. And I said, I am literally an open book because I wrote this book about, you know, going from a very, very dark um, place um, with my mental health and just not really sure if I wanted to live uh, to someone who runs and has a relatively productive life. I mean, I'm not, um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm much, so much better than I was. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I'm literally an open book and uh, we kind of had a chuckle about that. Yeah. That's, that's, I guess that's, that's the nature of the beast when you're writing a memoir, right? Is you gotta, you gotta put everything out there and, uh, and, and not hold back and, and, uh, you know, expose, expose everything and, and, I suppose in, in some ways that, that can be uh, pretty freeing as well. But um, like, like you said, uh, kind of get into the book a little bit. We'll, we'll hit some, some highlights as we go through and, and, or, or we'll just kind of see how things go as we go through because as these conversations tend to do, there's, there's different wormholes and different things that we, we go down. But um, when you got started, you know, at the beginning of the book, like you also just mentioned, it was a pretty, pretty dark place. You, you, you uh, were, were really struggling. Um, what, was, what was that catalyst that, that got you going? I mean, you know, because I, I feel like I've, I've had this conversation with, with other people for various different reasons, but like, you know, what was that thing that like, today I'm going to go run? Like, what what just was was that that thing, that impetus that got you off the couch on that, that one day almost 10 years ago that obviously has really, <laughs> for many, many positive reasons, changed your life in, in you know, in the, in the decade since? I wish I, I wish I knew exactly what it was. Um, I wish I could bottle it and give it to other people. This is what happened. I can sort of tell you the facts and what happened kind of in my gut. A few weeks before I started running, or it may have been actually a few months, I don't remember, um, I was on the sofa with my laptop, um, you know, scanning social media, and a high school friend of mine posted something like, call me crazy, but this running is getting to be fun. And I went, what? Running? (laughs) This was a friend I'd known. Um, She was the same age or maybe a year older than me. She was at least as large as I was. Um, And while both of us had been, uh, we'd had horses and done, um, I was in band and things like that in high school. We'd never been athletic. I mean, we were not on the cross country team or, you know, any of that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, marching band was the closest thing I had to a sport, uh, which is, was, you know, um, and I just had that moment of thinking, this is just, this does not compute. And so uh, in the book, I, t- I said that it was like a seed was planted in the back of my mind. Now, that particular day, um, I was probably eating bonbons or something very stereotypical. And I um, got a really bad case of the hiccups. And it was so bad that it I, it just was like debilitating. It's, it sounds so strange, but I, I wound up 
crying and going to bed from the hiccups. I mean, that's, mm. that, was the, that was sort of an example of how bad my depression was, where the hiccups would send me back to bed. So I didn't do anything that day. Um, but she continued to post. And about the same time, I'm in an online writing group, and one of the women in that group started to do um, interval training. And, and I, I think they were both doing, couch, I know the one woman was doing couch to 5K, but I'm not sure if the other woman was, but some type of interval plan. Um, and so I went, you know, maybe a week or two passed, and I went to the website, and I saw that it said 60 seconds of running. And I thought, 60 seconds of running, all right. And, um, and again, I didn't do anything right away. And then um, in Ohio, when spring comes, it's pretty dramatic mm. and it happens gradually, but there will always be a day where you look out and suddenly there are crocuses or um, these little white flowers. They'll just pop out of the, and sometimes they pop out of the snow. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that, I don't know, I just one day I looked out and I saw things changing. We were coming out of winter. We still have plenty of winter left, but... Um, and I just remembered that website, and I remembered her. It was her joy. Her, I mean, even though I was reading it on social media, I could feel her um, enthusiasm. And so I went back to the site, and uh, my husband was at work at the time, and we had a dog, and because I knew I couldn't do this alone, and uh, we had this yellow lab named Morgan. He's a great dog, and I leashed up Morgan, and I got a one of those plastic, those little square white digital timers, you know, mm-hmm. kitchen timers. Mm-hmm. And I, because I didn't have a watch or anything, and I set that for 60 seconds, and I took the dog. And then I walked out onto the street, and I looked around, and I live in a neighborhood where probably nobody was home. But um, one of my mental health conditions is paranoia. Mm. And so I was convinced that not only were they home, but they were looking out the <laughs> windows at me. I mean, right. absolutely. And they were going to laugh because I had on, you know, I think I had on maybe pink sweatpants and a gray. T- I mean, I was just I didn't have any clothes mm-hmm. and I had trail shoes on. I mean, big, heavy, not not good running trail shoes, but like big, heavy hiking trail mm-hmm. shoes. And um, um, and so I walked the dog down into this ravine area very close to um, where we live where the houses are there it's a floodplain so the houses okay. are long narrow lots and they go they drop down and so no one could see me down there and then um, and then I set the timer and we went for 60 seconds gotcha. that was it's like that's kind of like that's history that was <laughs> for me right right um, I you know those of us that um, maybe haven't been running forever um, can sometimes forget, or even those that, that, you know, have been running for, for at least many years, maybe it can be a bit fuzzy what those first few runs were, were like, but, um, for you, not only was it getting into something that you hadn't done before from a, the physical side of things from, from the running, but also with, with some of the mental health challenges that you were, were dealing with and, and you know, struggling with and were really, uh, battling at, at that point. What what were those those you know the first run the second one the first couple of weeks um, was was it something that that you noticed a difference right away was it something that you really struggled to keep going from you know this run to the next run a, a day or two later how how did that that first couple of weeks play out well the the first run it, it's like almost any run you know they always say the first mile is a liar. Mm. Uh, for me, the the first couple of sixty seconds was a liar, but I'm 
also very compulsive. And so I had a schedule. And so it said, all right, you run for 60 seconds. And I think it was 60, 90, 60, 90. And then you walk for five minutes. And the, the total time was 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And so I was very, very determined to just complete that and see what happened. And, um, and I had an ancient sports bra on. <laughs> <laughs> it was horrible. And I, I had told the dog, this is going to hurt. Um, you know, I was kind of joking with him because I talked to the dog all the time. Mm-hmm. I, and I told him that this was going to hurt. And of course, it did hurt, but it didn't <laughs> hurt for the reasons I thought it was going to hurt for. So, um, so I had to slow. I mean, I was already going so slow. Mm-hmm. I was already, I joke in the book that I was already going so slow that the dog did not have to break stride. He was just walking right. alongside me while I was jogging. And, um, but I, even that, I had to slow down a little bit. And, and I, I intuitively knew, um, maybe it might be because I do mindfulness meditation and I had done some other kind of body practices that, um, my form was really important. Mm -hmm. So I almost very quickly realized that if I tilted my hips a little bit and bent my knees a little bit and just let my body kind of be easy, that it didn't hurt as bad. Mm -hmm. Um, so those are my initial thoughts. And of course, the whole time, my brain was just going, this sucks, this sucks, this right. sucks, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to die, you're going to, you know, who are you, who are you, what do you, what do you think you're doing, what do you think, the whole time my brain was going like that. But I, um, I just was very determined because I had this schedule. Mm-hmm. And then once I was finished, I felt great. I felt like I had actually accomplished something um, for the first time in a long time. Uh, I had achieved a, a minor goal. Now I wasn't happy enough to tell anybody. Hmm. It was very, I was very sick. I didn't tell my husband for a while um, till I had done a couple of weeks. I think I think it was two weeks in before I told him, and because um, it just felt so temporary. Because I actually had run before it was when I was much much younger, and and all I did was sprint, and I didn't hmm. realize that running wasn't just sprinting. I mean, right. I just running was just run all out as hard as you can. You know, burn as many calories as you can, as quickly as you can. Not even high interval. It was just, you know, just, just high intensity. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. And so this was so different. It just felt so different. And I was in a different place um, mentally because I was so blue that, uh, you know, I did, the, the idea of expending that much energy was crazy. So, yeah, the whole time there was my body hurting and my mind going, what are you doing? You're trying to kill us, you know. Um, um, yeah, it was not, you know, it was, it's the kind of thing where it was really great once it was over. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that used to be my thing for the, for the longest time was the, the best part of the run was when you, when it was finally, finally over. And, and, uh, certainly, uh, those, those days are in my, in my past, but how long did it take for you to get, get past some of that as well to where like, you know, a, maybe the runs weren't hurting nearly as much and, and B, you know, the mind is starting to, to come around and, and uh, maybe, you know, at least maybe there's less, a bit less self, you know, uh, negative self-talk or maybe the, the mind is going, uh, you know, some of the, the depression and the anxiety and things like that. Maybe there was some reduction in, in some of the severity of those symptoms. How, how long did it really take to get to where running was like you were seeing some, some real benefits from it? It happened really quickly, actually. The, the first thing I noticed was after... Um, Three or four sessions, I didn't need to go home and collapse because mm. the first day uh, I had to just go home and even though I was very happy and I felt good, I had to just go home and take a nap. Um, and uh, within, I'd say a week, maybe a week and a half, 
I got home and thought about lying down and realized I really didn't need to. And so that was the first thing. And then after a couple of months, I would say, other people started noticing. People who didn't know I was running would say things like, gee, you, you, look, you look more positive today. Or um, are you doing something different? And people always ask, did you do something different with your hair? Mm. It's like, no, I took a running. You know? um, and and so, I, so that I could tell pretty quickly and then other people started to notice. And so that made me realize something is, it's not just inside me. It's, mm. it, you know, because sometimes... Um, I will second guess my own experience. So I'll think, well, this could be a fluke. Right. I mean, you know, I've done that after races. Well, that was, you did ran a half marathon, but mm. you'll never do that again. You, you won't be able to do that, you know, that kind of thing. And so, so the second guessing is still there. And um, so that did happen pretty quickly. But I will be completely honest, because I am an open book, um, I still have that sense of not of thinking I haven't run for two days and so I've, mm. I've obviously forgotten how to run and this is going to be awful. Or I'll you know, be standing at the start line for something I'm very well trained for and the first mile, my mind will say, well, that was really good, but you know, mile two is gonna be awful. I mean, it's just, it's just the way my mind works. And um, I think people, maybe it's backpackers, but I, I, I know a lot of people have similar sabotaging things um and but what i've learned now is even though the voices are still there is that i have the experience of knowing that they're wrong Mm. and i didn't have that before i had um failed at so many things um and um you know struggled so much that i it just felt as if i was just not going to be able to succeed in most areas so to have something where i was able to do things that um you know, it's funny because I hang around with runners, and so they don't all think that this is miraculous because mm-hmm. they're all doing the same miraculous things. But the non-runners are pretty. They, I get a lot of kudos from people that are like, "I can't believe you're at your age, you're doing this," and you know, and it's or or just you know, I knew you in high school, and wow, and um, you know, I'm the, I was the kind of kid that would uh, fake an illness to get out of out of um, gym class, and now I'm you know paying money to travel right. over the country and run these races. So yeah. Right, right. Um, you, you mentioned something in there that uh, I would love to dive just a, a, a touch deeper on, if we could, and that's the idea that um, maybe some some. I think I would say it's it's more than just the back of the the Packers. I'd say that there's there's a, a some certain segment of of most of us that at, at various points in our in our running lives have had those moments where it's like, oh man, this this is not going to be a good race, or you know, or, or you know, like you said, man, that that mile was okay, but yeah, I mean. You know, for whatever reason, I, I just have a feeling that things are going to go downhill pretty quickly. Um, when you're still in those situations, when you when you're still having some of those some of those thoughts, um, I mean, you mentioned you know that, that you know that 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 you've been there before, and and you know that, that it's probably not going to be as bad as you think. But in that in that moment, is that what helps you keep going, or or how are you able to to keep going and, and push through? some of those negative thoughts or a little, little something that doesn't feel quite right at the beginning with, with, you know, the first mile or whatever. And it, you know, eventually kind of goes away, but how do you, how do you keep going when, when you're having those, those thoughts these days? That's a great question. It was actually a, a question that came up. Um, we had a group of seven people in my pace group that just were training for their first, uh, marathon full and, um, uh, actually did all do that. And in one of the training runs, we were talking about that 
And a lot of people suggested kind of a positive thinking approach, sort of telling the mind, oh, you know, you're lying to me again, or, um, or maybe coming up with a mantra, mm-hmm. uh, run strong, run free, you know, something like that to say over and over. And my approach is a little different. And it comes from a place of having practiced mindfulness meditation for a long time. And so uh, now what I do is I thank my mind for the information. And I, I will literally say, just out loud, I will say, thank you. Um, because I know it thinks it is trying to save me. There's this earthworm part of my brain that thinks I am trying to kill myself, that I am going to die. I mean, it's it sounds um, uh, a bit extreme or it sounds, you know, kind of dramatic, but, but that's that earthworm part of the brain that doesn't have the, you know, What's it, the prefrontal cortex or whatever right. it is in the brain that actually is logical. And, uh, and so I will thank that part of my brain. And then I will remind it that um, we've been here before. And I'll say something like, well, I'm just going to keep going and see how it goes. And I try to relax because I have so much anxiety. Um, and I find that I run stronger and faster if I relax. I mean, there's, there's body memories that are strength and propulsion and things like that. But if I'm tensing up from a mental place, I actually slow down. So um, I will just try to just maybe do a body scan where I figure out, am I clenching my fists? Am I, you know, my shoulders? Am I just scan my body and see, okay, where is the tension? And just try to open up that area. I don't even try to relax because, you know, any, any time anybody tells you relax, that's like a lot. That's like, okay, right. fine. I'll do that now. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so I always, but I always thank it for the information and I try not to be sarcastic because there's part of me that's like, Oh, thank you so very much for you know, sabotaging my race. Um, but, uh, um, just it may be acknowledging it is mm. better that not trying to just immediately push it away because then I, I'm in resistance and that's more right. tension. So, uh, so that's my, uh, and it was very interesting because when I mentioned that, um, in the, uh, group, um, I'm not sure if actually we talked about it out loud, but anyway, I mentioned it later to somebody and I kind of got a little bit of radio silence and then, um, and then she sort of said, well, we have different things that work for different people. And that's true mm-hmm. for some people that very positive affirmation, you know, going head on with a negative thought really, really works. And, um, and for me, it doesn't, it's like when I do that, it's, it's as if I'm giving, the um, negative um, uh, thought, more energy. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I just um, trying to hold, it's almost like holding my hands open instead of, um, you know, fighting back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that, uh, glad that we got to that point there at the end that, that you, you know, from, from the uh, person that you had shared this with before that, that yeah, some things, you know, it's, it never is anything one size fits all. Um, but that's why I, I wanted to, to hear your, your take and what you, um, you know, what you do when you have those thoughts, because like I said, I think all of us have them from time to time and, uh, having a few different, uh, options maybe to, to, uh, of hearing some different things that have worked for other folks, give us, you know, Hey, if, if trying to do the, the positive thing all the time is all you've ever heard and it doesn't seem like it's working for you. Now here we got a different, a different take, a different way to, to maybe, uh, combat those, those thoughts the next time they crop in and who knows, maybe this will work for somebody. So thank you for, for sharing that need. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you're welcome. It's a, it's a little weird, but it, um, it, it feels very natural to me, but that's because that's what you do in sitting meditation and walking meditation is when a pain arises, 
instead of fighting it, you become curious, you investigate it, you open up to it. And um, um, I've done some, I've taken, not taught, but I've taken some chi running classes, and that's more of their approach, too, is to um, be open to what's going on and curious to what's right. going on as opposed to fighting it. So. Right. Um, so shifting gears uh, slightly, but still still with uh, some stuff on the book and, and the running, of course, um, you know, you mentioned you mentioned the dog. You mentioned Morgan as as being a, a, a key component to uh, to the running journey. Um, what what part? Uh, and maybe this is a, a terrible question, but uh, I'll still throw it out there and, and see where it lands. Um, but but how how important was Morgan to to getting you really entrenched into this this running world that that now is is a big part of your life? Oh, he was integral. I would not have. I would not have started without him. I just um, felt very, I mean, I was scared. I don't know what else to say it. And he is my buddy. He just, you know, I talked to him and um, and in the book he talks to me, which is kind of funny. Because um, he just, you know, he has this look, these looks that um, you just know what he's thinking. Or at least I think I know right. what he's thinking. And so, yes. And, and I didn't join a running group for a long time. And so it was just him and I. Um, and even after I had joined the running group, I was only doing the Saturday long runs with them. Mm. And some of those long runs, if I had to miss one with the group and do it on a different day, um, I never did. I think he I think he did seven miles. I think that's the longest he and I have ever gone. Um, I can't remember. But um, I and he probably could have gone mm. much, much longer. Um, but now, you know, as he aged. Right. But um, um, but uh, yeah, I think we did seven with him, and it was just companionship. And I mean, we we were just there. I'd carry, you know, uh, uh, gels or um, uh, different kinds of snacks for me, mm-hmm. and kibble for him. And <laughs> um, he had a water bottle. I had a water bottle. Or we'd make sure to run where there was a water fountain, mm-hmm. and and I'd make sure it was one of those water fountains that has the bowl at right. the bottom of the fountain so that he could drink too. And um, he was just, a, he was a training partner. And the thing about him, and I talk about this in the book a little bit, is he had the most amazing stride when he was running, you know, at his peak. Mm-hmm. Um, he just was so even. He just, you know, he didn't um, lurch or, uh, I, I don't know, His it was just his gait was so even. And I kept thinking that I would try to emulate that, his smooth stride and how um, he had, this grace, uh, he has this grace, you know, as we were running about him. And I, I think, wow, I, if I could just run like Morgan, because mm-hmm. he just, he was, and nothing, I mean, other than black dogs, nothing bothered him. He mm-hmm. just, he, I mean, he would just, uh, uh, we'd have some incident where a car would come too close or something and I'd get all dramatic and be yelling and stuff. And he'd just look up at me like, are you chill? <laughs> I mean, he just, he just had this, you know, he just, just uh, that's just who he is. He just, um, had this great temperament. And, um, um, and so, uh, uh, I, he was, it wasn't just companionship. There was something, an emotional component to his personality that, um, helped, you know, mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah. I think, uh, anybody who has a dog, especially whose, whose dog is a running partner can relate to a lot of that. My, my dog is, 
is the same way where she, you know, um, her thing is, is squirrels or rabbits, little, little <laughs> small things that move quickly. There's, there's a little bit of bird dog in her. And, and, uh, you know, when, when, uh, when there's something that looks like it should be, that we should be hunting for, uh, that, that comes out of her genes and she just, you know, the, the listening stops and the pulling starts and she's all about getting, getting that thing up a tree or getting the bird to, to spook up in the air. Um, but anything else could care less dogs, people, cars, whatever. And, and yeah, I, I can, I can totally relate to all those things about, you know, com- communicating with talking to the dog, the dog talking back and, and all of that stuff is totally, totally relates. And, and yeah, I think, uh, having, having a, that good partner, um, is, is vital sometimes to, you know, the days that you don't really want to get up and go for a run. If, if you know, whether it's a, a two-legged partner or a four-legged partner, knowing that, that, uh, you know, Hey, we're, we're kind of in this together can, uh, can certainly be a, a key component to maintaining that consistency on the days that you don't really want to go with, you know, the dog brings you the leash or the, the friend knocks on the door. Like, all right, well, I guess, I guess we're going to do this, aren't we? That's exactly true. Oh, if, if I would accidentally hit the timer for some reason, <laughs> or once I got a watch, if I even, I think I could just even pick it up or, mm-hmm. you know, hit it accidentally, man, he just come flying. Uh, it just, it was just like, he's right there. Time to go, time to go, right. time to go. Right. And I could just see him. And um, um, that or the door where we keep the food. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's the other thing. The, the, the food or the run. One yeah. of those two things, we're going to get uh, get excited and, and ready to go. Um, goodness. So, uh, Nina, w- at what point, you know, throughout this whole, I mean, I know, know you're an author and, or a, a writer. Your writing has, has been a big part of your life in, in various forms and, and different different ways of, of being around the, the English language. Um, but at what point were you like, you know what, I think, I think this whole running journey thing that I've, I've been on, this, this battle against depression and, and anxiety and, and bipolar disorder, um, at what point did you de- kind of decide that, hey, I'm going to try to make a book out of this thing and, and, and uh, you know, get, get my story out there? Another great question. I have been writing a very long time. I've actually written drafts of 10 different books. Mm -hmm. And I had tried to publish a previous book about um, my mental health issues um, that coincided with when my father was diagnosed uh, with cancer and and ultimately died. Mm -hmm. Um, I tried to publish that unsuccessfully. And um, when after I ran the half marathon, because uh, I'm always taking notes, even in my journals. I mean, I, I use uh, running logs. I, I They're more like journals or um, writing practice than logs. And, um, and once I ran the half marathon, I thought, you know, there might be a story here. Cause, and it was more about, in my mind at that time, it was more about, you know, middle-aged woman runs half marathon. I thought I was writing a running book. And it wasn't until I got into the process of actually revising and, you know, doing more writing and revising because you, I, I, I'm kind of write very, very long and then I have to condense, condense, condense that I thought that there's this different story here. This is about me, um, kind of saving my life or how running has, has, um, that sounds so dramatic, but really it just Mm -hmm. seems like running has completely transformed my life. So I, um, I do a thing uh, called National Novel Writing every month or every every year. I mean, mm. it's in November where you try to write thirty thousand or fifty thousand words of fiction in thirty days, 
and I often cheat and write nonfiction. It's called reveling. They <laughs> let you do it. But um, but I write memoir because it has to have a even a memoir has to have a structure very much like a novel where you have to have a story. Has to be, there has to be something that pulls the reader through. Right. And there's the there's the what happened. So all the facts. But then there's the kind of emotional component or the, um, you know, the actual story that is the incentive, um, the way a person is transformed. And I just realized that that's, I had that, this, this, this had that. And then, um, I, uh, had a lot of help, had friends read it. I took classes. Um, I sent it out way too early, way too early. I got some lovely rejections. <laughs> I got actually some very good feedback. In fact, that's one of the things that happened once I did get the contract with Mango Publishing. Um, they needed me to cut a lot, which I, I made me cry a little bit, but it, it's actually it was very good that they did that. And uh, when I had to do that, this, the first thing I did is I went back and I printed out all those rejection letters um, where anybody had given me any kind of feedback. Cause I thought these are the pros, mm -hmm. these are the experts, you know, let's learn from them. And, um, and it was the same thing where the story was there, but I just hadn't quite captured it. So, uh, um, so that was the process. But yeah, after I ran that first half marathon, I I just felt as if I had done something that it's such a small percentage of the population has done, mm -hmm. and it had changed my life and so many other people. You know, if it, if it had just been me in my head, I might not have realized that it was a powerful story. But other people were noticing. Um, the emotional changes in me and the physical change. Of course, I lost weight mm -hmm. and um, and also gained muscle. It's not just, you know, I didn't just lose pounds, but um, um, they were noticing mm -hmm. the difference in the way my body looked. And, and, and then the other thing, this is going to sound a little odd, but I go to, I'm a huge Ohio State football fan. I'm a third generation Buckeye. And um, so I go to one football game. I don't have season tickets. I go one every year. And so there's that long trek from wherever you park to mm -hmm. the stadium. And then usually we get nosebleed seats. So there's the hike up the stairs mm -hmm. to the you know, to the nosebleed C-section. And I remember um, not having to stop to sit down and rest, mm -hmm. you know, walking all the way to the stadium and getting to my seat and thinking, we didn't stop. That was just weird. That was the first time in a decade, um, more than that possibly. Um, that that had to happen. So things like that, and uh, and I I just kept thinking that's this is something that um, I want to share with other people. And it, it's so funny how it's transformed because now I just feel almost like a mental health advocate. Suddenly, when you write a book, mm. you're an expert, which right. is very scary. It's terrifying. <laughs> and uh, you sure you can write that. And um, so I now you know talk to people about my experience. I always say I'm not a doctor mm -hmm. I'm you know I'm not and I haven't practiced law in a long time um, but uh, but yeah so I just want to I think my tagline in the proposal was something like a, I so believe in the healing power of running that I want to share that message with anyone who will listen so gotcha gotcha was it uh, difficult scary uh, to be as open and honest and raw and transparent as as you were throughout the book not while I was writing it. Um, <laughs> Since it's been published, maybe a little different. later. Yeah. Um, I ha I've had now, I'm at the place now, the book's been out um, a few weeks, and I'm at the place now where strangers are starting to notice or starting to not necessarily recognize me, but 
they will have heard about me from somebody else and they'll I'll just somebody will come up to me and say, did you write that book? Are you the lady that wrote that book? <laughs> and that's a little odd. But um, um, the only thing I did have, I'll tell you the moment, the only moment that I've had that has felt a little scary was um, my brother. I have an older brother and older sister and my brother um, travels a lot. And so I don't see him a lot. And I am. Um, he was going to come to one of my readings and that just made me so happy. Um, my sister came to the first one and my sister-in-law and, you know, my family's mm-hmm. been great. Um, and he texted me and he said, he said, I'm, I'm reading the book. And, um, how did he say it? Something about, I'm, uh, there's some things I didn't know. Mm-hmm. And that's all he said. And so I texted back. I said, so are they good things <laughs> or bad things? You know, I just was like, okay, t- did I say something I shouldn't have? Or, you know, something like that. So I was, I'm actually more concerned about the people I know, mm-hmm. um, that are in the book. Cause I mentioned a lot of people and I didn't change their names, uh, cause there was nothing, I mean, they were all, everybody was so supportive and so um, has been such a team that it didn't feel, and I wasn't revealing secrets about other people that I needed, it, that it felt as mm-hmm. if I needed to change any names. So, um, um, so no, and, and I have been in enough uh, therapy, enough groups, enough, um, you know, support groups, whatever, that I know that. I need to share the stuff, the stuff that's scary and dark and um, um, for myself and because other people relate and they realize they're not alone. So um, that day may come where I will have that moment of, oh, man, this was a mistake, but it hasn't come yet. And I'm knocking on wood right now. Right. Um, And um, no, it's uh, uh, let's see. The the part that was hardest was when I was writing about uh, there's a chapter where a whole bunch of people died in a very short period of time in my life. I had huge losses, and that was part of the problem is the grief. I was already chronically depressed, and then the grief was just, um, I was drowning in it. Right. And uh, uh, that part was really hard to write, so I guess I have to take that back about the writing because I, I had written it, but I had to just almost transform myself back right. into the gray hospital room back into, you know, the bedside. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I would, I'd come out of my office and I'd have to cry a little bit and then go for a run or, you know, hug it or right. play with the dog, just something to kind of go, uh, look around and say, uh, okay, that was then it's, mm-hmm. it, that's, you know, it's never over, but, but that's not now here's now the sun is shining. You're in your room. You're with right. your husband, you're with your dog, you know, everything's, um, that's not now. Sorry. Cause I would, just feel, um, I, I, that's just the way I write. I have to, mm-hmm. I have to put myself back in time. Um, and then I have to pull myself back out to the present. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, and that's, I, I suppose that's part of the, the process of writing a good memoir is you have to go back and relive those, those moments. And you know, when it's, when it's a low, when it's a tough, I mean, it's, that's, you're there again. And so, yeah, coming back out of it, definitely need to take a minute and, and, uh, do what you need to do to go. All right, we're back in, in the present day, you know, and, and, uh, get, uh, get, get those, you know, compartmentalize or, or whatever you have to do to, to get yes. back to, to have a, the right perspective for where you are today. Um, as we're, as we're getting close to, to wrapping up today, Nita, uh, I, I'm, I'm one other thing that I'm, well, several other things I'm curious about, but one other thing that I'll, I'll ask about before we start to, to really wrap this thing up for today. Um, you, you talked to, you, kind of in brief, but I noticed on the, on the website that, um, this whole journey to get the book published wasn't 
wasn't easy. Uh, lots of lots of different publishers that you approached and, and reached out to, and lots of different rejection letters that, that you received as well. Um, what what kept you going to get this book published traditionally versus the idea of, of or was there ever the thought of like you know what you know it's it's uh you know 2018 2019 like i can just self publish this thing and get it out there and and you know go that route was was that ever a discussion and or how did you why did you keep going when you kept getting all these rejections from from the various publishers that you reached out to another great question <laughs> okay so i when I first had the idea, um, I thought, especially after having had the previous experience, not a horrible experience, but, you know, of getting rejected in it with a previous book, I thought, well, I can self-publish this because I was felt, I felt so strongly that this message needed to get out there. I just, once I kind of got into it, I was all in. And, um, so I have this very good friend, um, who is an amazing teacher. Her name is Tanya Cassell. And... Um, I was talking to her on the phone and I was talking about this idea and I said, you know, I really think I just want to get this out there. And I have always had a dream of having a book with my name on it. Since I was a little girl, I have, we had this class, uh, I think I was third grade, fourth grade, fourth grade, where we had to write a book and then actually bind it ourselves. And so somewhere in our basement is a copy of She Shack the Wild Stallion, which is a complete knockoff of Black Beauty. You know, it's a, and the corners don't match up and the, mm-hmm. the con- construction paper letters on the front are all covered with glue and from my fingerprints and stuff. So, uh, so this has been a lifelong dream. And so I said to her, I think I just want to get this message out there. Just want to get that thing, the book with my name on it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to self-publish this. And there was this moment of silence, and and she, in her, she's British, and she said in her British accent, Nita, if you wanted a book with your name on the cover, you would have done that by now. And she just, <laughs> she just completely called me out. And she said, um, let's come up with a plan. And so we did. So the plan had three parts. Part A, try to get an agent. Part B, try to get a traditional publisher with a publisher that doesn't require an agent. Mm-hmm. And then plan C was to self-publish. And I was 99% to the end of B mm-hmm. and 48 hours from C probably when uh, when Mango picked me up. Um, uh, I'd had um, a part of it. I'll give you the numbers. And part of the reason the numbers are so big is because I kept sending it out before it was ready. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. uh, so I uh, pitched 108 agents and I think I got 77 rejections and 132 publishers and probably about 90 rejections. And uh, and then, you know, one yes. And mm-hmm. that's all it takes is one yes from this amazing company, Mango Publishing. I worked with an editor named Brendan Knight and she's been phenomenal. Um, I just feel like they're behind me. And now that I know how much the publisher does... <laughs> Mm. Um, especially because, I mean, yes, I could have self-published. People do it. It's fantastic. Um, I have, you know, a lot of close friends who have self-published with great success and are, are really good. But I, um, I am chronically depressed still, even Mm. with the running, I am still very challenged. And so, um, I would have had to hire so many things done Mm -hmm. that Mango just does. 
and and also I would have had to learn that whole process, right. um, which instead of having to go and learn it ahead of time, I'm kind of learning it as I go along, kind of being spoon fed a little bit by Mango and the, their staff. They're, I mean, they're just they're just really. I just feel like I've been treated very well. There's been mm-hmm. very few times during this process that I've been even remotely grumpy, um, other than being tired, um, <laughs> right. um, which is normal. But um, but yeah, so I, I get this question a lot, especially when I say 108 agents, 130 mm-hmm. publishers, and they're you know people are scratching their heads. Why did you keep banging your head against the wall? So that's that's that part. The other part is I like diplomas. I have three. Mm-hmm. I like pieces of paper that say you achieve something. Mm-hmm. And so for me, getting a traditional publisher, even though Mango is they're independent, so they're not they're it's a little bit different structure than it's not a hybrid. It's not self-publishing at all, but it's right. still a little different than a, it's not like HarperCollins, mm-hmm. um, a little different type of still a machine, but not the same type. And um, um, I, there was just something about that. And I said, uh, I said to my husband at one point, it feels like I'm not going to get the gold star after I'd gotten yet another rejection. And, you know, I, I and I have these conversations where I'd go back and forth, back and forth with an editor, maybe do some revisions, send them back, things like that, and then get the rejection. And I mm-hmm. said to him, I just feels like I'm not going to get the gold star. And um, I write in coffee houses and I was there I that day after I'd said that to him, I wrote in this coffee house and I went, um, it was actually, it's actually a grocery store, the community room, which is very weird. But anyway, so I, I was done and I was walking back to my car and I got to my car and on the ground by my driver's side door was a foil gold star about the size of a quarter. Mm. And, uh, like the next week is when we got the, con- maybe the week after is when I got the contract. I was in talking to them, but I wasn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't time yet. So, so yeah, so there's something about the gold star that I wanted and, um, and I'm very obsessive um, uh, to the point of, you know, sometimes um, it being harmful. But I, um, uh, I think I think runners can relate to that, though, mm-hmm. where you have, you know, I want to run this marathon in a particular time goal. And so you put everything you got into the training. And so it was it was just very similar to running a marathon. And I'll say one last thing before I'll shut up here. Um, <laughs> I really believe that the marathon training was instrumental in me getting this book published mm. because it's very similar this process of showing up doing the work again and again uh you know your head is telling you all these other things and you say thank you for the information and then you write the next letter mm. your, your head is telling you this is going to hurt i can't do this and you say thank you for the information and you just keep running and it's, it, I just really believe that the stamina that you gain from uh, running doesn't even have to be a marathon, but um, uh, the stamina I gained from running um, helped me get through this. So that was another very long answer to a short question, but that's those those are the ones we we like the most. And actually, uh, you kind of. You know, we, we, I'll give you credit for two questions answered in that one because uh, I would have normally asked a philosophical question to kind of wrap things up, but I think you gave a great answer for you know what uh, what you've learned from running that has helped you in some other area of life. Obviously, like you said, the tenacity, keep going. Um, you, you you answered a question I hadn't even asked yet, which is that's you can't you can't do better than that. So I think that's that's right where we'll go ahead and wrap things up today, uh, guys. Once again, uh, NitaSweeney dot com is the website uh, on Facebook at Nita Sweeney Author, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, all the other socials 
at Nita Sweeney. And uh, disruns.com slash 741. We'll have the book linked up there. Uh, Depression Hates a Moving Target. How Running with My Dog Brought Me Back from the Brink. Uh, a memoir by Nita Sweeney. And uh, like I said, we'll have it linked up there. If you want to get it through there, you can get it. It'll be an Amazon affiliate link. So, so throw a couple of shekels at my way to support the show. But you can get it in other various other places. Uh, I, I can't remember all. Nita, what are, what are all the places where the book is, is available for those that are interested? Wherever fine books are sold, that's oh, what. That's, <laughs> no, it's uh, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, IndieBound, uh, Books a Million, on um, the Mango website is mango.biz, um, uh, BZ, pretty much anywhere. It's been amazing that it's sort of everywhere. That, so yeah, yeah just Google it. It's I, I Google it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, a couple like, times a week just to make myself just, smile. Just to see where it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and once again, disruns.com slash 741. We'll have links there as well. So, Nita, thank you for uh, for taking the time today. Thanks for, for sharing uh, your journey in the book and then also sharing uh, some some highlights of it here. But definitely, uh, guys, we, we barely scratched the surface. So grab grab a copy. Depression Hates a Moving Target. Definitely worth, worth a read. Uh, and Nita, thank you again so much for taking the time today. And... Uh, Nothing but the best continued continued growth and continued, you know, with the running front, the writing front, life front. Uh, just, you know, happy to have been able to connect with you and certainly wish you nothing but the best going forward. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to be here. Thank you again. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope you enjoyed the conversation between Nita and myself. And as per usual be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was something that we talked about today that really uh, struck a chord, struck a nerve, resonated at a higher frequency to you? Um, there were a few things that came up today, but but for me, um, I, think that, I think the big thing was the whole idea, and it kind of came up in a couple of different places, about telling others about your your running. You know, if, if you go back to kind of how Nita got into running in the first place. It was from scrolling through social media and seeing a, a friend who hadn't been a runner that um, was talking about running is kind of becoming fun. It's something that I'm enjoying doing. And that planted the seed. And, you know, lo and behold, all, all that, that has come since then for, for Nita, you know, started from kind of from, from hearing a friend talk about running um, just, you know, just passively on social media and I think that that too often myself and and maybe you can resonate with this as well. We we don't think that what we're doing is special enough, or, or I, I won't throw anybody else under the bus, but I'll, I'll throw myself under the bus. I don't think that what I'm doing as a runner sometimes, as a podcaster sometimes, is worthy of posting about on social media. Um, I've gotten better with this, but you know, I'm running at pedestrian paces. I'm putting out a a show regularly, but it's not, you know, it's, it's not, uh, you know, Joe Rogan. It's, it's not NPR style. It's, 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 I like to think it's good, but it's not world's earth shattering hundreds of thousands of downloads every episode. So I don't, I don't post about stuff like that. I don't post about my, all of my, my race times that, that I don't think are that fancy, but maybe I should, maybe I should, because who knows who might be following me. Who might be, I might be connected to that isn't a runner, doesn't think of myself as a runner, or isn't a podcaster, and doesn't think of myself as a podcaster, and sees me post something that spurs them to maybe try it, maybe try running, maybe try podcasting, maybe try whatever. And that 
that seed being planted by me posting something could potentially change your life, could potentially help somebody just like Nita get off the couch, start running, and find that to be some of the best medicine ever or whatever the case might be. So if you're looking at your running situation, whatever it is in terms of pace, in terms of distance, in terms of uh, experience level, and you don't think that it's anything, you don't think that it's, it's worth posting about, I would encourage you to rethink that because you never know who's watching. And I guarantee you that somewhere in your social circles, whether it's in person, whether it's online, whether it's a mix of both, there's somebody who's looking at what you're doing, no matter how huge or how new you are to the sport or whatever, no matter, no matter what adjective you place on it. There's somebody that looks at what you're able to do and goes, God, I could never do that. But if they see you doing it, they hear about you doing it, they might try it. They might try it. And and who knows what that could bring about, what kind of futures, um, how many lives that could impact, how, how, how that could change the world for a better. That one small little trajectory of getting somebody to start, getting somebody to try. So don't be afraid to tell other people. Don't be afraid to, to talk about what you're doing, even if it doesn't seem that special to you, because it's certainly what I'm doing most of the time doesn't seem that special to me, but you never know. You never know who's watching. You never know who might be inspired, who might be uh, motivated to make a change based on something that you don't see as significant in yourself. So definitely something that uh, I'm trying to do more of. Would encourage you to try to do more of as well. You never know who's watching. But that was my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from this episode? Please let me know. I'm at DizRuns on Twitter. I'm at DizRuns on Instagram as well. You can always shoot me a message. You can slide into my DMs in either place. Would love to hear from you. You can also shoot me an email. You can slide into my inbox, DizRuns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes for today's episode, DizRuns.com slash 741. Leave your thoughts, feedbacks, comments, and takeaways down in that comment section at the bottom of the page. Uh, and, and while you're there, check out photos, check out links, check out all the things, definitely check out Nita's book. It is, it is good. And, uh, there is definitely a link in the show notes that uh, is an affiliate link. So you click the link. If you end up getting the book or you get anything else from Amazon while you're, while you're shopping over there, um, there's a little commission that comes my way. It doesn't cost you a penny more, but it, uh, puts a couple pennies into my bank, which, uh, helps keep the show going, help keep, helps keep the show growing as well. So, with that, we'll go ahead and uh, start to pull this uh, pull this ship into the harbor. Don't forget, if you haven't gotten on the uh, the list, gotten into the, the drawing, entered yourself into the giveaway to work with me for free, head over to disruns.com slash giveaway. One new, renner, one new winner picked every month. And uh, who knows? This might be the month that the random number generator shines upon you, smiles down on you, and you get picked. So check it out, disruns.com slash giveaway, or right there on the homepage, disruns.com. And if you want to find out a whole host of other ways you can support the show, head over to disruns.com slash support, uh, which that page needs to be updated. But uh, there's there's the things that are there right now still definitely all work. They all constitute ways you can support the show financially and otherwise. So with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this thing up. Thank you guys for listening. As always, certainly appreciate it. Thanks for all you do to, to tell others about the show, to spread the word, to, to share stories, whatever it is. Uh, 
always love hearing from you guys and, and uh, love seeing the show continue to grow. And it, it happens because of y'all. It doesn't happen because of me uh, fumbling over my words and stumbling and bumbling around through these some of these interviews. Um, it happens because y'all tell others. So thank you so much for doing that. And uh, until until next time, until I invade your earballs once again, please be well. Please take good care. Thanks for listening. And we'll talk soon, all right? Take care, guys.